to record on one. Got it. Yep. <laughs> You're a twat. I don't care. <laughs> Honestly, it's your it's your editing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so now what we generally do is talk for anywhere between yeah. one and five minutes. So he guesses where we start. One of them, right? <laughs> one of them. They sent me a file. It took them fifteen minutes and four starts before they started the podcast. So I trimmed the start, got it aligned. And then it wasn't the start. And they did it four other times. It was 15 to 20 minutes in that they actually started. Shit. Assholes. Was that, was that the last one where you left all my false starts in? That no. were clearly No, no, that clearly was like false the episode 20, 25 oh. or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got sidetracked and talked about something else for a while. Like we already <laughs> have. We've done. Please select your player. A wild. Dave emerges. a d20 but only gets one Australia's greatest podcast said no person ever welcome welcome to, to another, another dungeon. dungeon what the fuck that was my line ha 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 psych it's hello oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what happened with the last one I did with Andy <laughs> I started he said something I'm like you just throwing me off then I said the wrong number, then I said to Fap, and then it was all over. And I can edit out my voice anyway, so you could have just talked over the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, but I still feel rude. You can't edit that out. <laughs> Alright, do you have something to actually say? No, I can't remember now. You've sidetracked me. I remember when you start speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody, and welcome to Another Dungeon Episode 7. I am your host this week, and I being Tim... Uh, joining me this week <laughs> oh is God. Dave. Hello. I'm just going to go and for a non-wanky, boring hello. <laughs> yeah, see, that's why no one listens to you. And Ben. Hi. That's it for me. That's it? Yeah. See? This is straight, your first podcast. You don't, wanna, yeah. you don't want to say a little bit about yourself? No, no straight to the point. Um, I mean, uh, I'm a writer for another dungeon. I'm a game designer outside of being a writer for Pencil another dungeon. Pencil or pen. Um, what pencil up? Oh, right. The the, the discussion earlier today for, for tabletop games. Pencil, of course. Pen pencil. pen will be right. insane. Ben won't be allowed back to any other episodes. Just to provide um, context, I'm making another dungeon pencils or pens to give out to people, and I was thinking I'd do mechanical pencils as a giveaway because <coughs> RPG players would use them. Yes, there is context to that. Well, yeah. You're right. Are you, are you done hijacking my podcast? Well, Ben also didn't mention that he recently shaved his beard and lost his powers. Okay. So if you see the photos of him on the podcast, uh, on the website, it's actually wrong. It's oh. it's mostly back now, uh, so so I'm regaining my powers slowly, but they're, they're coming back. I don't believe you. <laughs> that's, um, that's good to know. So to start off this week, we're going to talk about Dave's favourite little additional toys that you can now buy from Nintendo in limited... Limited stock. Well, actually, half the problem with them is that you can't buy them from Nintendo. You have to purchase them from third parties. But this is actually... Um, it's something Andrew raised in the Facebook group earlier today. Um, but Andrew not being here, I am taking on the topic instead. So, 
Amiibos are once again in the gaming news spotlight after a recent Nintendo Direct where, alongside a variety of new games and stuff, they showcased the recent additions. Um, Amiibos often come under the spotlight, but more often than not it's for the wrong reasons. Because ever since their launch, Nintendo have been unable to meet demand. Primarily due to miscalculation on their part regarding the popularity of their products. Um, the problems further compounded when, in response to queries regarding the issue, uh, regarding reissue, I should say, Nintendo announced that they wouldn't be replenishing all stock. Which, of course, as soon as you've got collectors collecting items, and you say no, we're not re- replenishing. What was that one that there was only one off in like every store? The boxing guy. Really? Uh, little Mac. Little Mac, yeah, there was one Little Mac shipped to every single... And so the second you say that will not be replenished, every collector goes batshit crazy trying to get them, which was about the point that I wrote that article. Um, But in that case, that's not a miscalculation of popularity. That seems like a pretty deliberate ploy of, let's make this limited. Well, no, benefit of the doubt, at that point in time, they probably did miscalculate. They were going to release... Uh, the initial release was, what, 50 Amigo, Amiibos? Is that how many's in Super Smash Brothers? Yeah, I think it was 50. So we're going to release 50, but of course, releasing 50 Amiibos in one hit, you're not going to find any store willing to stock, willing to allocate that amount of space to Amiibos. Not when they've already allocated so much space to Skylanders and Disney Infinity and, you know, all the other little bits of crap that are being issued. Anyway, um, so yeah, they, they decided to do them in waves and, and, and the problem happened. The, the flow-on effect of that announce, of the recent announcement, has been the topic of many articles, rants and internet discussions. And to boil it all down, it's basically that they've become more of a collector's item than a usable toy. Um, so the question arises, is there a problem with that? Um, as mentioned, Andy recently shared an article from Wired which referenced an episode of the Planet Money podcast. Don't worry about following that. That's as far as that thread goes. Which raised a great comparison between uh, Amiibos and Magic the Gathering, which is, of course, to an extent, a collectible um, card... Would you call it a trading game? I would call it a trading card game, yeah. Trading card game. Now, you actually trade? I thought you just battled each other. No, there's a massive trading element to the game. Yeah, Um, okay. Yeah. So in its early days, Wizards of the Coast, um, who are the guys that made it, faced similar problems to what Amiibos face today. However, instead of exploiting it in the short term, um, they actually re- like actively worked to resolve the issue, which sort of formed Magic into a sustainable and viable model um, instead of just a short-term success. And they did it in one of two ways. This is what the, the, the other podcast covered. This isn't my thoughts. <laughs> The first, they um, segregated each card's usefulness from its rarity, which made sort of made the cards less important for those who were just interested in playing the game. They were still important for collectors, and they were still good cards, but they weren't um, to the point of being essential. Um, the second was on subsequent runs to print more of each card, thus decreasing their value as a collectible and just keeping their value as a, a valuable card in the game and the end result of this sure they lost out in the short term however they didn't lose focus on what the cards were meant to be about which was the game and that many people 
me included, are thinking is the problem with amiibos. They're, what's, the, what's the point of amiibos? The well, the amiibos are meant to be statues that you can use with your 3DS and your Wii U to add content or playability to a game. Mm. The problem is, as I see it, there are um, two problems. The first is obviously the the um, rarity, and the second is that they don't really have a good use in games. But before we go into yeah. what I think, well, what do you, what do you guys think about the the whole situation? It's a, a very commonly visited topic. But recently, um, actually, I should go in before I ask your opinion. One other thing, one recent change that Nintendo did make is that they are releasing multiple types of certain amiibos. So, like, the uh, Yoshi Yarn amiibo comes in three or four different colours. So, and there's it's absolutely... Actual... It's only cosmetic. There's no functionality difference in-game. And they're also doing some re-releases of popular characters like um, Marth from Fire, Fire Emblem. Emblem Awakening. Uh, also, from the very little I've heard of the uh, Nintendo conference... They were doing card versions of Animal Crossing characters um, and with the possible thought of instead of actually remaking the statues, so say let's use Link as an example, um, re-releasing Link as a card instead of a statue. So you still get him as a usable thing, but you don't get a pretty statue to sit on your shelf. But I think that might have been rumours and hearsay, but it's in the realm of possibility. Didn't right. you say it was in the Nintendo Direct? I watched a wrap up, not a. I didn't actually watch Nintendo Direct. Ah, see, I don't, facts. I don't, I don't watch those things. Um, I actually recently, because of Mario Party Ten, found myself looking at amiibos, and I was a bit shocked, I guess, to see what little variety is still around. Uh, well, what amazed me when we played on the weekend is how many mm. of them didn't do anything. They yeah. just threw up an error message. I've, I've got, I think, eight Amiibos because I'm a dad and therefore kids want to buy me <laughs> little Mario statue toys for all my all my father's days and birthdays and stuff. And, yeah, I think only two or three worked. I think Yoshi, Mario and maybe Peach worked and everyone else didn't. Yeah, I'm, mm. I'm looking at the list now and uh, the vast, vast majority of Amiibos are read-only on Mario Party 10 and... Yeah. And even much... on stuff like, um, uh, what's the Dynasty Warriors clone called? Hyrule Warriors. Warriors. Hyrule Warriors. Even on that, you can place characters on to receive a, a random weapon a day, which are drops from enemies regardless. It's And not that hard to get anything. Mm. No, they don't seem to quite know how to use them properly in the game. Not not to any extent like I think people were expecting, which was more like a Skylanders or a Disney Infinity type interaction. Yeah. But the problem with that interaction is you're then limiting your target audience to people that have amiibos or statues, whatever you want to call it. Which gets back down to their marketing thing, which is who are they marketing this for? Because yeah. um, their core, see, Nintendo's core marketing thing for years has been about unique family entertainment and local entertainment. It's it's been their stance on why they're not moving into you know well, it's taken them this long to move into the mobile thing. It's why they make unique consoles instead of just you know PS4, Xbox One clones. But mm-hmm. these amiibos, 
I don't know. They seem to have got confused as to whether they're usable components. They're marketing them as usable components, but they're treating them like, you know, pop vinyl statues. I think mm. I think the real issue it comes down to... Uh, I mean, maybe... Oh, look, and this is, again, all speculation. Let's be clear, speculation. Um, <laughs> maybe they didn't, you know, let developers in on the loop of what they were doing, like, early enough. And so this sort of stuff was added in as an afterthought, and maybe... It's added in we, on Nintendo-developed games. It, it's added in, but was it designed with these things in mind? I think there's a difference of, oh, crap, there's Amiibos coming out, what can we do? Compared to, all right, there's these Amiibos going out, let's say 60% of people have them, uh, let's actually make something useful with them. And that actually gets to one of their defences, which has constantly been that they didn't anticipate them being as successful as they were. Which, in Wave 1, maybe Wave 2, I can understand, but by Wave 4, which is the one they're talking about currently, I don't know. We're up to Wave 4. Yeah, 4 or 5. I think Wave 4 just came out. And you've got your gold ones and your variants. See, that's one thing that I think Infinity and Skylanders did well. They had the majority of characters available all the time and then you had the glow in the The dark crystal gold scratch and sniff ones that you know you could the collectors would go for but for my son right i've got four kids and my two sons and my daughter all play games with these statues now if they want a fire element in skylanders they can get one they wanted mega man for super smash brothers which we no longer play anyway because it's crap um, and we went out to buy it and we couldn't because the pre-order, pre-orders sold out on the day that they went available. And that's just... It, I'm probably biased, but that just seems wrong to me. What do you think, Ben? Well, I'm just, just to backtrack a little bit to the, uh, the whole Amiibo situation and uh, Nintendo maybe not having the developers on the ground floor of that whole situation, um, it, it's, it seems like a strange situation uh, from a developing point of view, because obviously Nintendo would would want their developers to be aware of this technology as much as possible, especially because they're only allowing um, Nintendo Direct uh, studios to to be using the Amiibo technology at least for now. Uh, it seems, though, that th- that they they haven't really thought about what they want the Amiibos to do. Um, and considering some of the the practice of Nintendo uh, previously, with with being very heavy handed on, um, <laughs> but N- Nintendo's prior history of being surprised by all their successes. <laughs> no, uh, I'm, oh, we I, didn't expect the three D uh, the DS to be so popular. <laughs> we didn't expect the Wii to be so popular. We didn't expect me to be so popular. Uh, we didn't expect no one to buy the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> more what I mean is that. Um, that they they used to be very very heavy with their um, their control of third party developers uh, with their with their software yeah, like Nintendo still of quality yeah that it, thing's been missing for a long time exactly um, <coughs> Rareware were very very under the thumb of Nintendo and uh, that released some fantastic content I mean things like um, Conkers or um, or Banjo Kazooie couldn't have been possible without that kind of heavy handed guidance from Nintendo which feels strange to me that it's missing nowadays because i mean the the 
Nintendo 64 wasn't that different from the PlayStation. But now we've got things like, you know, the the Wii U, which has a completely dependent um, piece of technology, and, and Amiibos, mm. which are uh, very <laughs> strange given the, the current console market. So it seems like... Hang on, can I, can I just interrupt you there? Why do you find them strange considering the current market? Because they don't really fit in anywhere. Disney Infinity... That is a dedicated game with a dedicated reason to have those minifigures, um, and each one has a clearly defined purpose. Yep, gotcha. Also, uh, Nintendo titles have clearly defined structures on on how they work. Each one is supposed to be sort of a, a clever new innovation on a very old style of game. I mean, Mario's been around for a long time, but they're bringing out new Mario games which have new mechanics in them. Mario Galaxy was the best and biggest example of that when that came out. And yeah, true. it seems like they are not targeting the Amiibos in that same way. They're trying to hammer in that minifigure idea into their old concept of constant innovation, which, as a developer that would be very stifling and strange because you're asked to change up the rules uh, on on an old IP in new ways and then you're given this peripheral device which isn't necessary to play the game but has to give it enough content to to be worthwhile. So It sort of reminds me in a way of um, when I was applying a while back for Greenlight and achievements were a requirement for programming. I was like, hang on, so achievements add nothing to my game, but I have to learn how to program that into my game in order for it to be on green light? It's no longer a requirement, but it sort of reminds me, what you're saying sounds like the same sort of thing. Yeah, yes. So Do your game, but here's a little add-on thing that you have to incorporate in your game in some fashion. Exactly, and you have to make it interesting enough that it should be in there and people should want to buy it but unfortunately it's not really possible to to make it interesting enough uh and yet not necessary so i think that that is the biggest failing of the amiibo uh system because it's it's obviously a proven and and good system in things like disney infinity and skylanders but for the nintendo um franchise it it just doesn't work yeah interesting very interesting. Um, oh, very, gonna... very interesting. If we're going to be competitive, <laughs> fine. Well, no, I'm just super interesting there. plus one times infinity. Do you, do you know what is super interesting plus one times infinity? I can guess because I know what the topic list is. Bloodborne. <laughs> um, so Bloodborne came out last week. Is it only a week ago? I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, pretty sure it was only a week ago. Wednesday, last Wednesday or something. And like so it's much it. it's pretty much everything you'd expect from from software. Um, they've kept core mechanics. They've changed them up enough to keep it interesting. I'd say um, Bloodborne. For those of you that don't know, don't know who From Software is. Um, I would suggest starting at Dark Souls 2's Color of the First Sin, which came out today or sometime very soon um start there it's one of the more forgiving of the soul series i believe uh they've built their 
name, I guess, nowadays around making, uh, I wouldn't say punishingly difficult, but not really. They're difficult games that force you to learn the mechanics to progress. It's not. They're very unforgiving. I think that's a good yeah, word. Yeah, but they're not. They're not unfair. Um, it's it's think? tough but fair. Yeah, I, I I used to explain to people, you know why you die in a Souls game. Mm. It's because you made a mistake. Um, compared to other games where, you know, the mechanics or the cheapness could kill you quite easily. Um, having said that, Bloodborne I feel takes a bit of a step backwards um there's been a few a few times uh, during boss battles or even just roaming the streets uh, where I've been hit through an object and I'm talking like through a solid tree there's one boss fight in particular that had a very large gravestone I was getting hit through um and that that's a an oversight or a flaw that I don't believe was in any of the other Soul games, your weapons used to recoil off any hard surface. Maybe it's punishing you for being chicken shit and hiding behind graves. <laughs> Maybe. Just a thought. Uh, have you played any of the other Soul games? Because um, <laughs> hiding behind things seems to be the only way to win. <laughs> yeah. Um, but apart from that, it departs from the norms of... Well, the norms for me of uh, slowly walking forward with a shield into new areas. Um, you don't... There is one shield in the game, but it's not very useful. Uh, they've built the mechanics more around dodging and being more aggressive. Uh, there's a health regain system where when you get hit, a white bar goes down on your health and you have a few seconds to hit another enemy to regain that health back or a portion of that health back, mm. which encourages you to press on rather than retreat. Um, it's gone back to well, back to the Demon Souls mechanics of uh, consumables for health rather than the Estus flask that you fill up at the bonfires um, but all in all I'm thoroughly enjoying my time there's been a few rage worthy moments but we've <laughs> pressed through it um, Dave I know that you've been playing and struggling a little bit but it looks like from what I can piece together you finally got past some of the struggles yeah my my issue with all of From Software's games is that I have to dedicate myself to the game when I play it, and it requires all of my concentration because it's very punishing if you slip up. Um, I think it was the same boss fight you were talking about with the gravestones everywhere. If I wasn't paying attention, I could get cornered in some gravestones and then three hits and I'm dead, and then it's a three or four minute run back to fight. By the time you've done that three or four minute run, you're getting impatient, so you die in twenty, se- you know, ten twenty seconds again. And the loading so, screens are yeah. My my terrible. my issue there was that it played on my impatience, um, and I don't know. I've got four kids and three jobs, and sometimes I'm just not in the right mindset to play a game that requires that level of. Uh, that level of concentration it was the same with dark souls 2 it took me a while to get into um not not in any bad way it just took me a while to get into the mindset where i could dedicate the time in order to succeed um i do find personally i actually find bloodborne to be the best so far out of the lot for me i prefer the increased speed and frequency of heals um 
I also really enjoy the counter and visceral attack. So when a monster attacks you, you can fire a, a like pistol, um, blunderbuss type weapon, whatever you choose. And if you counter them at the right moment, for a brief second, there's a brief window where you're able to uh, perform a, a special visceral attack, which does like an animation and extra damage. And and you're right, it, it does really encourage you to go on the offensive, which is very different to a Souls game. You still have to go through all the levels very slowly and carefully, but when you're encountering people, it really encourages you to, to, to rush forward, press your attack, and take enemies out quickly. And for me, that actually works a lot better. I'm finding it, I'm finding it much more enjoyable. It has taken a bit more getting used to, I think, for me. Um, the countering system is good in that it seems to work on a lot of the boss fights as well um, so it's really a mechanic that you can master and take through the game I haven't finished it yet I have no idea that's because you're too busy hiding behind gravestones it's <laughs> because I'm too busy going back and walking people through the stars <laughs> actually um, one other thing I noticed sorry just to interrupt quickly with that about hiding behind gravestones and what you said earlier uh, Ben about Dark Souls mm. with this more offensive approach your stamina refills a lot faster than in the other Souls games so you mm. can spend a lot of time dodging that you wouldn't in the previous in Dark Souls you maybe had what a few attacks and one dodge in you before you were walking slowly backwards and you stopped when you consumed an Estus flask. In this one, you can refill your health while you're walking. You can dodge and... And the, by the time animation's yeah, pretty quick. Yeah, you dodge quickly, you stand up quickly and before you know it, you're back at full vitality. Why do you think that um, is? Why do you think they made that change? I think to, um, to suit the playstyle more. I think um, I think they were trying to change up their playstyle, so Bloodborne yeah. feels like it doesn't feel like a Souls game. It feels like Bloodborne. Okay. Yeah. Look, I, I find myself running out of stamina simply because, no surprise, but I choose to use a big weapon, and so I. Get it might be a surprise in. to people who listen because you've never really <laughs> talked about Mister Double Great Swords. Yeah. So my playstyle is. High vitality, high strength, and stuff everything else. <laughs> um, but even even with that, you know, usually poor build towards endurance, you can dodge ten times before even looking at getting tired. So I think they've built it around being a faster-paced, more aggressive, or more offensive game than... Um, one of the Souls games. Yeah, it, it's an interesting departure. There's more... Oh, I, don't, I don't really know if there's more cutscenes, but the story's delivered a little bit differently. There's a lot more interaction you can have with random NPCs. Mm. Um, I think it's a lot more accessible in that regard. I'm more yeah. into this story and I'm more invested in the bot... Like that second boss... And learning yeah. about his family and seeing stuff afterwards. That 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 boss is... Well, he's probably up with some of the bosses in Dark Souls 1, but he's definitely more interesting than anyone I encountered in Dark Souls 2. Interesting backstory. Um, well, interesting and clear backstory. Like, they fed it to you a little bit more rather than 
forcing you to go and read descriptions of things and um, you know item descriptions and journals yeah, and yeah it's it's more the core story is more fed to you it's still as ambiguous as it always is I don't I expect say, anything different I've I'm, got I'm my much <laughs> I'm much further than you and I still only have a vague idea of what's going but on. But I love that. See, I, I go into these things. With Dark Souls 2, I had a vague theory, but it didn't give me enough to formulate anything. Bloodborne is giving me so much. I'm going, ooh, I wonder if this is happening. I wonder if that's happening. And then they do something and change that. It's constantly got me thinking about the story, which I really yeah. like. I love mm. the game for the uh, gameplay and the mechanics, but this one's got me on the story as well. Have you played it, Ben? Uh, I haven't played Bloodborne, no. Uh, I've played a bit of the previous uh, Souls titles. Uh, I was never terribly Our into Souls them. Souls titles. <laughs> Pardon? Our Souls titles. Yes, the, the, the other Souls titles. Um, no, I, I was never terribly into them, um, despite my, my love of roguelikes and... Um, and tough but fair games. I always found that the uh, the longer format of them was kind of tiring. Um, but I have been looking into Bloodborne, and I am very interested in getting into it, especially considering, as you say, it's it's a lot faster progress, and um, the story is delivered in a, a nicer format because the the slow, ponderous, read everything storyline from uh, the previous Souls games didn't really fit in. With uh, how I like to play, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I got most of the Dark Souls 2 story from um, YouTube. Yeah, likewise. And, um, oh, really? Yeah. yeah, there's a certain guy I follow on YouTube, and he's he's got a whole series of... You're going to give him a shout-out, or just leave him yeah, as a certain guy a that certain you follow? <laughs> Vardy, Vardy Vidya, his name is. Uh, he's got an Aussie accent, so I'm going to assume that he's an Aussie. He does great, great videos, great speculation and great fact videos, so... Hmm. Wonder why he let, did he let his mum pick his uh, channel name or I don't know. <laughs> Farty videos. Anyway, um, I believe that some people in another dungeon have previewed a game called Fragged Empire. Is fragged. That how you pronounce it's it? Fragged. Um, I think that's the uh, Bogan way of saying it. I <laughs> fragged Empire. The proper enunciation is uh, Fragged Empire. Yeah, sure, sure. I'll, I'll let Wade know. I um, think that is the uh, correct emphasis. <laughs> but yes, yes, uh, some people, um, also known as me, uh, have have previewed uh, Fragged Empire. Um, Dave was also there, uh, as well as Amelia, uh, and a few other non-Another Dungeon people. Um, well, they may as well be now, they're in enough of our photos. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, Fragged Empire is a uh, an indie role playing game which is being developed by an Australian developer, um, Wade, uh, becoming a, a good friend of ours. Um, after the game, that is, um, and it's a, a sci fi setting um, based primarily around uh, exploration and what uh, Wade is calling a post post apocalypse, which is an <laughs> an interesting concept. Um, so it's it's all about uh, the the universe has already gone to hell. There's there's already been a huge genocidal war. Everything has kicked off, and after that point, uh, the the galaxy sort of sits for for a hundred years. Nothing terribly happens uh, on a on a galactic scale, but on a local scale, all of the individual cultures are getting back to the point in time when they can become spacefaring races again. And uh, after this hundred years are up, they 
reemerge into space and start colonizing uh, the the remnants of their progenitor species' empire. So you've got this interplay of all of these previously warring species who are newly come to space again, uh, picking over the the debris of of an ancient civilization which was uh, originally their genetic creator. So it's it's a very interesting and very um, setting-heavy game, but it's wrapped into some some pretty unique and um, in some ways strange and challenging role-playing game mechanics. Um, And I I talk more about that in, in a review that will be coming out very soon. That's uh, on sale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, can, I, can I ask a question? Yeah, of course. Does does this ancient race just happen to be more technologically advanced, <laughs> as is always the case? Well, so how it works is that you've got. Uh, is that a yes? Yes. It's yeah. A yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so mankind um, is it reaches the singularity in the future. Uh, and they start becoming genetically stagnant, so they create a species called the Archons, and the Archons are sort of their their successors, and these Archons become obsessed with genetic uh, manipulation because they themselves were created through genetic manipulation of the human genome, uh, and the Archons create a massive array of, of new genetic uh, species, and you are playing the um, the creations of the Archons. Uh, the Archons are now gone, the humans are now gone, uh, and the enemies of the Archons, their perfect creation, um, is, is all gone. So you're, you're sort of children playing with the toys of your parents, um, and those toys happen to be massive and, uh, and pretty dangerous. And so it's your job to find these uh, toys and use them to destroy other players? <laughs> um, I, th- I think the idea is more to find these toys and uh, use them to build uh, your own place in the galaxy, um, so to find your own identity in the galaxy instead of just being the upstart children of a twice-dead master species. Uh, but yes, of course, that does mean kill other players. You've already got my attention at kill other players. Yeah, I, I, I gathered. Uh, I gathered. I. You'd I like how I played then, Tim. <laughs> the the races are really interesting to me. So um, is there a board or is it? Sorry, go on. It's an it's a um, tabletop. Oh, I'll let you answer that. Yeah, is there a board and pieces, or is it all in your mind? Yes, so so it's a, a tabletop RPG. Um, so there can be a board if you want, um, but. It's it's not you know it, it's not a board game so there's not a, a dedicated board in the center um, or there is um, the theater of the mind uh, play style uh, which which sort of is is all just your imagination. Um, personally, uh, we we played using a battle map and and that worked quite quite well for this this system. Do you dress up? Uh, is that a requirement? <laughs> Not a requirement. You shouldn't play naked with strangers as a general uh, rule. Yeah, right. yeah. You, you should be wearing clothes at least. So standard courtesy applies. Sometimes. Got it. Depends on the group. Yeah, it depends so, on the group. Is it out? Is it in preview? Is it? 
can other people get their hands on it? Yeah, so, so uh, you can't get your hands on it yet. There is beta testing going on, um, and I believe that's going to become a little bit more uh, open soon. But um, Do you get access to the beta if you pre-order? Uh, or is that only from EB? You can actually... <laughs> I'll put up a link on the... Um, in the review as well, but you can actually still go and pre-order, which is what the Kickstarter's got. Yes. So it, it, the Kickstarter, what did it achieve? 700 and something percent of target goal? It, yeah, it, it was a Some massive, it was a massive figure. goal. Um, yeah, well deserved, but yeah, it was d- definitely. an amazing success. It's the, the highest earning Australian um, uh, RPG Kickstarter ever. So yeah. um, it's, it's pretty good chops. So what, what were your questions? Oh, that's right. So so you can actually still pre-order um, and you can get the special editions. There's a hardcover book. There's um, all sorts of stuff. We'll put a link was, up for that with the... It was a joke, but... With the on. preview. Why was it a joke? <laughs> you know how you always get beta access if you pre-order and that's one of the bonuses they always take. This is a tabletop me. RPG, not a I video know. game. <laughs> um, and Wade's hoping to release it... Um, by or at PAX this year, so that's Ooh. final quarter 2015-ish for That'd those interested. Yeah, it's, it's still heavily in development, though. Um, yeah. And you so, can go and play it at a number of um, functions. He demos it quite a bit, I've noticed. Yeah, and he does. Speaking of playing it... Yes, speaking of playing it... Um, <laughs> Would you like us to move along, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> well, sort of uh, in, in the same sort of vein, uh, I will be uh, running a game of, of Fragged Empires for, for another dungeon, uh, which will be recorded and uh, posted up as well. Um, so this campaign will be uh, released in its hour-long episodes, yeah? Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Such commitments. Such yeah. commitments. So it, it'll be released in hour-long episodes. Uh, and free to air. Fr- free to air, yeah. Free to air hour-long episodes. No, no subscription chart. required. Don't, don't say free. Don't say free. <laughs> oh, Maybe sorry. Say no, it's it um, free. Free <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the, the, the game will be a, uh, a hex crawl, um, possibly in the style of Ben Robbins's. Uh, viral campaign style west marches so this is all about exploration and um uncovering a uh, a thoroughly planned out setting beforehand uh of which the the players have no idea before they they begin um so yeah the, the idea will be that it'll be a, a completely new sector of space um and there will be lots of hidden terrifying secrets um basically on on every planet on every uh, little tiny bit of space that you come across there will be something trying to kill you and almost all of them yeah almost terrifying terrifying as i boldly go where no kaltoran has gone before you're promising me i will be terrified uh, I promise that your Kaltoran should be terrified, but knowing you and how you played the last game, probably not. It'll just end up with Tim dead. Or Hey, hey, who was going to be the only one left alive last mission? Yes, because I, you were going to kill us all. Yeah, but that was in playing with my character. Oh, of course. I was a corp, and I had achieved my mission, because <laughs> I had a submission that no one else knew, except for Amelia. Making a sacrifice for the greater good. Well, That's no, Amelia went to help the others, so I was trying to 
nick off on them. But I, I let everyone on the ship. I believe we all yeah. ended up rich. Yeah. Oh uh, well, we we ended up contaminated and slightly wealthier than we were before we left. Um, we got cured. Oh, so Way far. To put a damper on things, man. Yeah, that's it's what I do. Uh, get used so to that it. Joy. <laughs> that will be coming out in the uh, future. Yep, but Let's... you can play it or see it now if you if you're interested. Fragdempire.com. Yes. I was talking about the another dungeon one will be coming out in the future, but oh. I'm sure the, the game itself will be coming out in the future as well. Yes. Uh, sounds interesting. It will be. <laughs> can you can you throw a bit of conviction in that sentence there? Too? No, I, it, it. Well, I haven't. I don't know what to expect because I haven't played anything like this before. Ben really, just so. talked about it for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, but so. talking and, <laughs> and playing is something different. Well, you've played RPGs, and he's given the setting for the world that this is based in. You're going to be the first to die. Well, I am actually. Um, I'm. I'm quite interested in in running it myself because uh, not only is this a system and a setting that I've I've never uh, played before, I've never jammed before, but I'm actually going to be doing something that I've never done during a game, which is that I will be randomly generating a lot of the content um, that we'll see uh, at the table. Is that oh, like fancy speak for was... making it up? No, no, that, that's that's fancy <laughs> speak. It was, is is that built into the system, or is that something you've just chosen to do? No, so so this is something built more into the idea of a hex crawl and and west marches. So um, the system is very forgiving and very allowing for this style of play, which is why I'm I'm um, trialing it out first with Fragged Empire. But um, to answer your question, Tim, this is actually it means that I have to do a a hell of a lot more work before the game begins, but once the game begins, I will have in front of me lots of random tables, lots of things to roll upon, and lots of <laughs> silly uh, little hooks that I've already planned out. And it'll so you'll be rolling as well. I'll be rolling, and so we'll be safe. Uh, <laughs> He's taking the Harvey Dent approach to yeah. Good to know. Well, the, the thing is the responsibility. Half the secrets <laughs> that you guys will find out, I won't know until they're generated moments before you find them out. So it'll be very interesting to see how the game progresses. Well, hopefully we last for the full hour, because otherwise it's going to make for a short viewing. That's true. <laughs> well, then you roll a new character and you come back. Or we get yeah. someone else. Easy. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, um, that's about all we've got time for. We've probably gone over time again. That's <laughs> all we've good. got time for. We dictate the length of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, we? Who's who's hosting? Who's um, editing? I can cut this... you off whenever I want. <laughs> this week's song is uh, Will the Circle Be Unbroken from the Bioshock Infinite soundtrack. Um, I actually really liked the uh, acoustic version that they did for this. Um, Me too. I thought it was quite fitting for the story and uh, quite a nice tune so enjoy there are loved ones in the glory whose dear forms you often miss when you close your earthly story will you join them in their bliss will the circle be unbroken 
sky.